works. And in spite of the pain that he been through, God is still good. And today we want to listen to our brothers and our sisters as well, sharing God's faithfulness through his word. Last fall, as a congregation, we embarked on a challenge to read the entire New Testament. Today we want to hear what God has done through that. Not just that we've checked a box, that we finished a reading plan. But we have five of our brothers and our sisters this morning that will be sharing some takeaways from their readings. I'm sure that if I should invite you even now, randomly, you have some few things to share about God's faithfulness through reading Immerse. That we've seen transformation in our lives. We've experienced God's visitation. We've experienced God's transformation in the context of our small groups. So this morning we have Tim and Christy will be sharing through a video cast in a short while. Then afterwards, I will invite uh, Chris will come, Jesse and you, Justice and Pradeep. Then I will come back to say a few things. Myself and Lynn will have uh, a few things to do afterwards. So can we have uh, Christian team? They're unable to come, but they wanted Hi, to share. I'm Chris. Hi everyone, I'm Christy, this is Tim. We led an immerse, he, really, led the immerse group uh, up north. Um, and I really enjoyed participating um, in our group and reading through the New Testament together. A few takeaways for me, or really two main ones, um, were, are related to identity. Uh, the first one being identity because we spent a whole lot of time talking about Paul and how he used his identity, his Roman citizenship in particular, to advance the kingdom. We also talked some about Jesus and how he used his identity. So it's really got me thinking more about my own identity and how I use it to advance the kingdom, how I have or how I could. Um, and then also collectively as a, as a group, um, as a small group, but then also larger as a church body. How do we use our identity and our resources to advance the kingdom and how how we choose to continue to do that, and then what are new or additional ways um, that we can do that, or things that, that we have access to, um, but that we aren't necessarily utilizing in that way. The other thing that stood out to me really came up in Revelation. Um, there was a verse that stood out to me because it appeared twice in a very similar way. The writing was very similar, and it spoke about uh, endurance and remaining faithful. And I really, um, it's, it stood out to me, I think also because it's such a theme of the New Testament to endure and to remain faithful. And even looking at the life of Jesus through reading the Gospels, his life exemplifies enduring and remaining faithful. So I saw that uh, as a challenge, a personal challenge to endure and remain faithful, um, but also thought about um, collectively as a church body how do we encourage each other to endure and to remain faithful um, and those are um, easier to accomplish um, certain times and seasons than others but how do we how do we encourage each other in that and another theme that stood out uh, very powerfully for me uh, is maintaining or the importance for God's people to maintain 
a holy reverence for God, a holy fear of God. And we see this throughout uh, the Old and New Testaments. Um, and I can point to one example, like in the book of Revelation, where Jesus is addressing the seven churches. And you can see Jesus commending them and committing some of their works, but then also disciplining them, also rebuking them. So this is a powerful image uh, and a reminder to God's people to remember that God is holy, to remember that Jesus is not only the loving Savior, he is also the righteous judge, and that he hates sin with the passion. And so uh, in the same manner, God's people should hate sin with a passion. And so maintaining a holy reverence for God causes us to live holy. It causes us uh, to know that we can't do just anything. We can't just think any kind of way or, or uh, uh, approve any kind of thing. That God's views, God's law, God's commandments are higher than anything else. And that's what we look to. And so, in, in a sense, maintaining this reverence purifies us. Uh, we always want to be mindful of God's presence and, and that God is holy and therefore we're called to be holy. So I've been thankful uh, for this reading and, and just being in community and being able to teach it. Um, and so I pray that the rest of you were blessed uh, along with us. So. Hi, I'm Chris Glow. Um, I'm a senior at Northwestern. Uh, I've been coming to Newcom since I was a sophomore, so three years now. Um, and so I uh, got the chance to do Immerse. Gonna be honest, I didn't finish the whole thing. Um, but I think I did uh, have some big takeaways from uh, celebrating Immerse. And so I think one of the big takeaways for me is, um, so every time I read the Bible, I there's always something new, even when I, uh, when I read like passage that, passages that I've already read before and learned about before. Um, so going through the Gospels, I, I think like one thing that really stood out to me was um, how uh, we kind of see Jesus like he's like the Son of God and some, like somebody we should like revere and he's so powerful, but we kind of ignore the fact that he was also human at the same, at the same time. And so I think uh, this time reading through the Gospels, I, I realized like, Jesus is a human, and he had thoughts, and he had emotions, and he had feelings, and I think uh, reading the part where um, he was denied three times, um, and then like on the cross, he was like extremely lonely, calling out to God. I think that was really powerful to me, and I think just like reemphasizing like the amazingness of the glory, uh, the amazingness of the gospel, um, that was something that really stood out to me um, from reading. Um, I think for me personally. Um, just going through Immerse really, um, it wasn't like I was doing like a routine Bible reading plan or something like that. I was kind of looking forward to actually reading the Bible. Um, like there was, you, you read each day you read like six or seven pages, but I was looking forward to reading like beyond that, you know. Um, so for me personally, I think it really like uh, kind of like made me more curious and uh, like wanted me to, I, I wanted to read the Bible even more. Um, through this program. And I, I think what's awesome about Immerse is um, 
it goes beyond UCOM. So as a student at Northwestern, I had uh, I gave the Immerse book to a couple of my friends and um, who are who don't go, who go to other churches, and they really found it to be something that was also transformative and an amazing uh, journey. So um, I'm just yeah thankful for that, and um, yeah, it's it's a really great thing. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so Jesse and Yuna are going to come up and talk more. Hi, everybody. I'm a little disappointed no one said hi, Dr. Nick, especially you, small group. I'm neither a doctor nor is my name Nick, but for those of you that don't know, it's from The Simpsons, so anyways, sorry. So my name's Jesse. This is my wonderful wife, Hugh. Uh, we're a part of Shereen and Anthony's small group, Southside represent, what, what? The only small group on the Southside, so by extension, the best. So at least we have that. Um, the Immerse reading was really cool for me. Um, even though I've been a Christian for many, many years, uh, I've never read through the entire Bible. Um, believe it or not, I'm sure many of us are like that. And um, so the opportunity to do so uh, in a way that isn't like uh, studious, I guess, kind of uh, was really appealing to me. Um, you know, the Immerse book kind of reads like a novel in a lot of ways with uh, the way that it's written um, and how the books are spaced out. So it was kind of really enjoyable. Um, and just being in the immerse uh, in the small group, you know, hello, <laughs> um, having the opportunity to be able to talk about any questions we had and to get clarifications, um, you know, in our small group, there's a lot of people that are very knowledgeable, um, more so than I am, and uh, we both are, so it was great to kind of be able to bounce ideas off of each other and, and get that feedback. Um, so if we do con uh, continue immerse with the Old Testament stuff, uh, I'd highly encourage everyone to be involved in that and to join a small group and to do what we did. Um, so there was a couple of takeaways that I had um, from the reading, one of them being parallels and the concept of grace. So going into parallels, um, in the epistles, so um, this is where Paul wrote letters to different churches around the area, young churches around uh, AD 60, uh, the church in uh, Colossia and Galatia and Ephesus um, and things like that. Um, I noticed parallels between the young churches that Paul was writing to and current modern society. Many churches at the time were kind of picking and choosing what to believe, uh, or they were being led astray by teachers that made claims against the legitimacy of Jesus or stressing the need to return to Jewish law. Um, essentially, the truth of the word of God was being diluted, and Paul was writing to set the record straight or to offer encouragement to these young churches. So the parallels to modern society, I think, are, are apparent here. Uh, whether we're young or established in our Christian faith, we all need reinforcement and encouragement from time to time. Uh, and luckily, instead of letters from faraway lands, uh, we have a great church home for that close by. Um, as I struggle sometimes with my own faith today, and as I try to reconcile my faith with current culture, uh, it's somehow comforting to know that this is not unique to me or even unique to this period in time. Um, on the concept of grace, what the Gospels made clear is that Jesus was a revolutionary, a straight-up revolutionary. Uh, Paul and the other apostles and anyone who believed in Jesus were revolutionaries, 
Why? Because they bucked against the establishment. They subverted generations of dogma. The Jewish people were obsessed with Old Testament law, and Jesus came through and just smashed all that up. Jesus represents the new covenant that God made with humanity, and it meant that anyone, Jew or Gentile, could come to know him through grace alone, not by doing works or by following Jewish law. And this was a hugely disruptive bomb that went off in the Jewish community at the time. It's no wonder that the Jewish leadership wanted to kill the guy. Imagine what that would look like today, and you'll realize just how revolutionary that was. We are all saved by grace alone. The concept of grace means a lot to me today because in some ways I feel unworthy of the gift. It can sometimes lead to feelings of guilt, and I feel a strong pull to be a warrior for Christ, but I'm not sure how that will play out just yet. Peter has preached here about how not everyone needs to be a missionary or a monk, and I feel that, and thank you for that. I accept it. My constant prayer is that God will reveal to me what his grand plan is for me. And until that becomes more clear, I'm comforted by knowing that I'm his by grace alone. Aww. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Yu, as many of you have, have known me. Um, I was born and raised in China and walked on this planet for 20-something years without knowing God until he brought me all the way to the States and to this dude and brought us both back to him together. So um, Newcom is my first church. Uh, small group is Sharing and Anthony was my first small group. Reading through Immerse was my first time reading through the Bible. And just standing here right now is my first time sharing with the congregation. So it's a little weird, honestly, <laughs> like all first time. But uh, hallelujah, praise God. And about Immerse, okay. So at the beginning, as a newbie Christian, this whole idea of reading through the Bible in 16 weeks is a little suspicious to me. I was a little suspicious because it's like trying to chuck down a foot-long subway in three seconds, right? So... <laughs> Jesse could manage, but no, I don't, I don't know. How, 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 how could it be possible? So, however, it turned out that I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better way other than immerse to start my lifelong journey of learning his words. So, by reading through the different stories and perspective and comparing the narratives and learning about the context, I really started to see this Jesus coming to life, coming out of the book with real emotions with joy, sadness, anger, frustration, and pure passion. So he became real to me. And what's more special about this experience for me is that I have a group of brilliant people. They create this safe space for me to question. I bombarded them with lots of my questions, so trust me. So I, I feel like that's... Sometimes when nobody has an answer, we just sit there together in awe. So I feel like this togetherness is what is more meaningful for me. So another part is that um, by reading through Immerse has helped me to know this Jesus. I think it is by experiencing it that make me feel like I am known to him. So two weeks into Immerse, I came upon this passage. Let me read it to you. It's Luke 11, 30, uh, uh, verse 36. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a flat light were filling you with light. So this image of a radiant life with no dark corners just stuck with me for weeks. 
And I was like, dark corners. Who doesn't have one or two? I do. Grew up being bullied, emotionally neglected, being abused, and made a few terrible life mistakes. Marrying you is not one of them, by the way. So, I, and I, just like everybody else, without knowing God, I just push through, just keep going, move on. But somehow in the back of my mind, I, I just knew that there's this deep regrets, guilt, anger, just waiting there, waiting there to attack me at the right time and affecting my daily thinking. So one day at dinner table, I told Jesse, I want to go into therapy. I think I'm ready. But was I? <laughs> so two sessions in, I hit this dark place. And I just cried like I never cried before. And it was, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I digging out those things I don't want to think about? And, I, and as I was just sitting there in my brokenness, I, I really felt that he was there with no words, just weeping with me. So I remember my therapist shared with me this very powerful image. Um, let me share this with you. So imagine all your memories are like potteries being stored on the shelves. And those dark and painful memories are just like those broken potteries. And every time you look at them, those sharp edges and cracks just remind you and keep hurting you. But I feel like for me, by taking the courage to go into the dark corners of my life, I was actually allowing God to go with me and to replace the, the darkness and brokenness with his love and forgiveness. So by the end, my memories, those potteries, they are still broken. They are still broken, but... I see light shining through. So this was my first time experiencing hope and redemption. And thank you for being the witness of my story. Hello, my name is Justice. And for those of you that don't know me, I started coming to Newcom about six months ago over the summer. Um, and so just like a little bit of backstory, because I, while I recognize many of your faces, I haven't had the chance to actually meet most of you. So I actually grew up in the Covenant Church, uh, just a few miles north of here at Grace Evangelical Covenant Church. I went through the whole confirmation process, youth group, multiple churches youth groups for some reason, kind of classic Christian kid thing. I guess. Um, I was heavily involved in university and college. Um, I, I was surrounded by a lot of Bible stuff. Um, my family was a, a faithful family, so I read a lot through them as well. So I've studied the Bible a lot. I've thought a lot about it fairly deeply, especially with university. We'd like to really dig into a lot of passages. And so I kind of have this feeling, right, that I know a lot about it, right, that I know most of this stuff. And so going into Immerse, I largely expected it to be very similar. I expected it to be mostly stuff that I had heard before, read before, experienced before, maybe a few new things like that I just had not stumbled across before for some reason. Um, but 
while that was somewhat true, I think that was not the thing that defined my immersed experience. So there's a lot of challenging stuff in the New Testament. Um, reading through it, I found passages that at first glance were confusing, irrelevant, and even offensive to me as I read them. And many of these things I had read before, but Immerse forced me to read them back to back to back to back. And I was kind of confronted with the reality that there were a lot of things I just did not have a grasp on, that I did not fully understand. And so I, I want to give a couple examples. Um, so first from First Peter. So, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. So in the midst of a state where a lot of our governors have gone to prison, a uh, head of state right now who I often find myself very staunchly in disagreement with, this, this doesn't feel true to me when I read it. So what does it mean to submit to human authority and to honor that in that context? Given that I feel like surely there's truth in here as it's written, what does it mean? And so in 1 Corinthians, another one, isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? So I don't know about you, but I think somebody does need to tell my brother that. Um, the man bun was like 2015, right? But I digress. It, it feels a little irrelevant, right? It doesn't really resonate with me. I, I'm not sure how that applies in a meaningful way to my life. In 1 Timothy, women should learn quietly and submissively. I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. Reading this is an abrasive, uncomfortable, and offensive experience for me. Growing up in the covenant, I actually had exclusively female pastorship, which is a very unusual thing, but something I feel very lucky to have had. And so reading this doesn't match my experience of Jesus in the real world, as it's written, right? And so all of these things, there's a lot of context and nuance around them. Right? You can read into these things, and I think you can better understand exactly what they mean and why they may not be exactly what they first seem. But the question I found myself asking myself, how do I understand these confusing things, these offensive things, these irrelevant things, and reconcile them with my experience of who Jesus is? Ultimately, what stood out more than anything else was that I cannot possibly understand every single detail, context, or intent described in the Old or New Testament. There's a level of nuance and awareness that would take many lifetimes of hard work to get right every single time. So one of the ways Immerse has transformed my thinking is that I'm growing to appreciate how truly essential the workings of the Holy Spirit are into my ability to hear what God is speaking to me through his word. The Holy Spirit works in many very different ways for different people from moment to moment. For me, some of those times were in small group. Having people around me that would bring up things maybe I didn't notice or bring up things I had noticed and bring it up again and again maybe so that I would be forced to hear it the way I needed to hear it when otherwise I might have just moved on. So I want to continue to grow in my humility of my reading of the Bible so that the Holy Spirit has enough room to do the heavy lifting that needs to be done in my life. So I, I was talking about some of these feelings about not understanding many things in my faith. I come across as like a fairly confident person who understands a lot of things in the faith context. And sometimes that's true and sometimes it's not. Uh, but I was talking about this with one of my friends who's not a believer. And she said this to me. I've been to more churches than I can count. And I tried really hard. But I never felt anything. In fact, if I did feel anything, 
it was feeling like an outsider or a non-believer. It never felt good. I guess my assumption has always been, if you go to church, you know what you're doing and what's going on. I've heard similar sentiments from so many of my friends that are not in the church. And it's something that grieves me to hear because I have experienced a lot of life in the church. And that experience is very different than the experience I have had in the church. And so, given all these things, there's one thought I do want to end with. There are always things in our faith we don't fully understand. How can we, both as individuals and as a church family, best demonstrate genuine humility in our faith so that the Holy Spirit has the room to work both in our lives and the lives of those around us? Good morning, my name is Pradeep. I've been at New Community for about 10 years or so. When our group realized the amount of text that we needed to go through in about 16 weeks, um, one of the first things we were saying was like, I don't know how we're gonna be able to do this. We normally start strong, then start flaking off in the middle, and then the end's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> so one thing that we ended up doing was we started a WhatsApp group with um, everyone in our group on it, and then somebody was assigned every week to text the group the pages that we were going to read that day. So there was like a day-to-day -day, um, accountability that started where we were all like texting and saying, okay, today's, today's pages are whatever, one through 945, because that's about how much we had to read. Um, a little hyperbole, but, um, but it's true. I mean, but, but it was really helpful. Um, and we even had somebody texting on days where we didn't have readings saying catch up today so that we can be ready for tomorrow. Um, the accountability within the group was very persistent and it was actually really helpful. And then that WhatsApp group started turning into like things that we didn't expect. Like, hey, this happened with my family. Can you guys be praying? And we started praying for each other more. We started keeping in touch with each other more. And then this was one byproduct of Immerse happening that none of us really expected would happen, which was great. In the actual week-to-week -week, um, Immerse times that we had, one thing to note about our group is our group's been around for a long time at Newcom. And there is a very uh, wide spectrum of people's backgrounds, where they come from, how long they've been Christians for, um, and really like even where they are with God. And as a result of that, your conversations are very, um, they're, they're very lively. And so parts of the New Testament, um, really hard to understand. Um, they were hard to read for the group, but we kept up with it regardless of where people were. And Carlton mentioned this um, when he spoke a few, few weeks ago. He said, with Newcom, there's this aspect of like, you approach your faith with your head. Not, but God wants your heart. But in the day-to-day, -day, regardless of like, if you're struggling with your faith, when you keep up with the reading, and when you persistently are faithful to that, I think that that's when you start moving from like where your head is to where your heart is. Um, and also, when, when there were these portions like when, where we realized like, okay, so, if I trust in God and God, for whatever reason, has found these epistles to be worthy of lasting this long to where we are reading it now, so he must know something I don't, and then I actually read it, um, yeah, there was just like an increase in faith, even collectively across our group. Also, like when we were 
going through the Pauline letters, like we had to go through those back to back. Um, and in the midst of all of that, there were really strong reactions. But then this aspect of like Jesus saying, ask, seek, knock for the kingdom of God and keeping that, keeping that perseverance in the midst of that, even when things were hard, like a couple of people before I've already mentioned, um, were also really powerful times in our small group. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Gospels. So the Gospels, man, when we were in Luke, there were these times in our group where we were saying, Jesus is just so mean. He just comes across as mean all the time. He just seems really angry. Um, and we processed that together. And then Barney, who was leading during that time, and Barney's going through seminary right now, um, at the end of Luke, he spent some time just like summarizing it for us to say, if you look at the places where Jesus is really upset, Jesus... Um, Jesus is upset about how people are being ostracized, how people are being marginalized, and how people are not being treated well. And if you look at where Luke was, Luke was written for the Gentiles. Um, and a lot of the time, Jesus is out there advocating for them. So it was really, it was really powerful um, and changed how the way that we thought about mean Jesus. <laughs> so, and then there was one week, um, I've... I've grown up in a Christian family. My parents are in full-time ministry and have been for all my life. So I've grown up reading through the New Testament a lot. But there were, um, but like I said, we're a very diverse group. Thank God for that. Um, and there were weeks where I was, you know, I had a reaction to the reaction that someone else in the group was having to the reading. And I wanted to say something. I wanted to say, well, I don't think that's what, you know, God was trying to say over here or whatever. But then I was, I was going to say something and then... I, clear, I clearly remember um, just like God nudging me and saying, um, in this space, in this group, where, people, where we are encouraging people to come as they are, I don't need you to defend me. I can handle that on my own. Um, and that was really powerful for me. Um, and yeah, it was just like this, this really great wave of like God just saying, I can handle, I can handle this on my own. I, and, and to allow space for people to be who they are and because God has put each of them on a different journey. So yeah, so in reading whole swaths of scripture, you can't help but see how God starts to bring unity. There was unity within our small group, but then like if you look at everyone who's already talked, um, we talked about the identity that we have in Christ. We talked about the humanity we see in Jesus across the gospels. The same issues Paul addresses to the early church are issues that we have in the church today. Um, whether someone was reading for the 10th time or the very first time, God always teaches us something new when you spend time reading his word. And then finally, like within our small group and then within the broader congregation, there was definitely this aspect of God bringing us all together. Thanks be to God. Wow. Let me suggest something. I'm going to go off my screen. Let me suggest something to us. Let's take some time to reflect from what we have heard, but also from our reading. Let's not rush. Let's sit with what we have heard. I want to invite you to do that now. Just sit with what we have heard.
also if you participated in the immersion, I want to give you the time to reflect what might God be speaking to you now. Are you able to let God be God? Just like Pradeep ended. He doesn't need us to defend him. Take some time. Give you two, three minutes to just reflect. The Lord is asking you to pray, pray of confession, do that. Whatever the Lord is asking you to do, let's do it now. I want to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is dropping in my heart. might have been Dawson Trotman, founder of the Navigators, who said, there are two things that last in this world, people and the Word of God. So it's my life mission to put the Word of God in people and people into the Word of God. In a unique way, you met Immerse did that for us, for many of us. And uh, I'd be curious to know how many of you today participated in Immerse. Would you raise your hand? Yeah. Wow, look at that. You know. You know some of that, how God's Word got in you in a different way and how you got into God's Word. I'd like to suggest that you keep encouraging each other and talk your story. Um, and uh, and uh, those of you who haven't been uh, involved in Immerse, Chances are you're sitting next to someone or in front of someone or behind someone who has a copy of this. And you might want to beg, borrow, or steal it and gather a couple people together and start your own group and do it again. And some of us want to do it again. Uh, Immerse had a unique uh, approach to how it was written and how the, uh, the various books of the Bible were organized. Uh, and you got this sweep of this early brand new thing God was doing in the world within the first 60 years of its existence. And our group was amazed at how, as someone talked about the parallels, how, how parallel it was to the struggles the new community's having as we're growing and as we're emerging into a, a new thing in our life. We were just so excited about 
that we were in the same kind of business, the same kind of work of the Spirit. Um, I was also impressed that virtually everybody in our small group had a chance to lead and took it and did great because everyone was caught into the spirit of it and, and were excited about what they were reading and, and um, learning. It's my prayer that uh, we keep using this to grow deeper in Christ and further in our mission. Um, all scripture is profitable for rebuke and for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. Let's find ways to have that happen in our lives more and more. I appreciated the opportunity to be part of Immerse and uh, uh, glad, hope we do it again and glad we did it. Thank you. That is a question that I kept receiving. Now that we are done with Messiah, that is the New Testament, what next? The goal is to begin to read Genesis through Revelation. I think we should be able to display that because so we have six books in total to cover the entire Bible. Now we are done with book one, which is Messiah. By uh, four, we are hoping to begin Genesis like I mentioned and let's keep praying that God will use this to transform us to deepen our relationship with God but also with one another so stay tuned for more info in summer but at this point I do want to say a big thank you to everyone that participated those who facilitated the uh, conversation I do want to say thank you some of us hosted uh, the Emmaus group. Some of us led for the first time. Thank you. Some of us prayed. Some of you gave money so that we can give scholarship to students. All students receive a copy of Emmaus for free. All. And like Chris mentioned earlier on, we gave some of them more than one. Hey, you have a friend? Share this with them. I gave some out for free to people that don't even come to church not just newcom God is using us to radically advance his kingdom this is a good way of serving the body of Christ encouraging people but also a good way to reach out with the gospel you give this out People will receive it and just read it as a novel, not as a Bible. But God will use the content of it to bring transformation in their lives. For those of you who understand the language of figures, that is numbers, let me just throw this out. That, like I mentioned, we sold or gave more than 115 copies, two, sorry, more than 215 copies of Immerse, both in English and in Spanish, we had more than 200 people sign up to read and to study Emmerus. As a matter of fact, some that were visiting, I remember a lady from Atlanta who walked to me and said, hey, I want to buy some. But not just only that. She left money with me and said, you know what? Give 
this uh, rather you talked about scholarship I want to contribute to that can you give someone free out of this money that I'm donating all the way from Atlanta God spoke to her what better way than to celebrate God's faithfulness through his world that he is doing things and I hope that we will continue to pay attention to what the Lord is doing So we praise the Lord for that. Let me quickly transition to what we'll be doing in the spring. In light of what we have read in the gospel epistles, we want to live into that, particularly as a multi-ethnic church. Therefore, we prayerfully consider a curriculum. should be up also. Multi-ethnic conversation that will allow us to have common language that will help our journey towards unity. The road will be bumpy because some of the stuff that are in here are very tough, hard emotionally, but I believe that God will use that to bring about uh, tools for us as we interact with one another. So this will be our curriculum for this small group uh, season. As a matter of fact, we have copies outside. It's $7 each. If the Lord is nudging you to provide scholarship to others, I will gladly accept your contribution towards that. Again, my hope and goal is that all students be encouraged to participate in this. If we can have a group meeting together at Northwestern with Chris and Co. at Moody, at North Park, just discussing this, I think it's worth doing so. So, the description is here. Multi-ethnic conversation is a small group study and daily devotional for Christians seeking to build cross-cultural relationships and competence within the local church. Daily readings are provided over eight weeks. Let me pause. Our small group season is 12 weeks. But this curriculum provides for eight weeks. I have a wonderful group that are putting together. The, the group is putting together what we'll be doing for those additional four weeks. One of the weeks they shared with me will be meeting together in different ethnic groups or race just to provide framework but also my language now to provide a cushion in case we fall we have a place that is comfortable for us like I said earlier on some of the things that I hear are a little bit hard we begin to talk about racism to racism these are not sometimes dinner table conversation they are hard conversations And because God has called us to love Jesus passionately, one way to do that is to engage in this hard conversation. So that will be what we'll be doing. So January 27 will be our small group fair day. Sharon and co are putting together the promo week. Again, more info will come from her and the team. Then sometimes in February, I think February 24th, if I'm still thinking correctly, 
will be our kickoff uh, week for the small group. Let me say this. Some of us received email inviting us to participate in a training scheduled for the I think February 2nd. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to be sure that I'm not giving the wrong. February 2nd will be uh, training to equip our small group leaders but also to equip all leaders serving here at New Community so that we can participate meaningfully when it comes to our small group conversation. So if you've received that invitation, please pray, plan to attend. Now to him who is able to accomplish infinitely more than we ask we emerging. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Lord, we give you the testimonies that we've shared that not unto us, not unto us, but unto thy name be glory. Amen.